0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective. We're going to be talking about a hustle culture. Is it good? Is it bad? What is it anyway? We're about to find out. Uh, Please leave a like, hit that join button, and super chat your questions, comments, and displays of support. Uh, It's the Thursday Collective. We got a bit of a full house. We got, uh, first, you know him from American Rust, season two coming. Your exclusive sneak peek information right here, exclusive on the Daily Objective. It's Mark Pellegrino. Hey Rocco. Hey, and then we've got a guy who he's from Greece. He's in London. Where has this guy not been? He was in America. The traveling uh, philosopher Nikos Sotirakopoulos.
1: Hi, and good to see you first time after Rocco.
0: Now let's talk about hustle culture. Uh, what is it exactly?
1: <coughs> so the reason I got interested in this topic is that we live in times where anything that has to do with uh, capitalism or the so-called protestant ethic or whatever people underst- uh, understand as related to the mindset of capitalism quote greed all these things are met with a lot of suspicion however there's this idea of the hassle which means that you get after it you wake up early you try to be productive you also take care of yourself you have a routine there are all these self-development books self-help books and many of us We thought, okay, this is an interesting thing to observe, that on the one hand, we're, said, we're told that, you know, you have to sacrifice or that uh, uh, capitalism is immoral, blah, 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 but at the same time, we recognize that it's important to go after your values and go fully. Now, this was too good to last for too long, and lately, there has been a lot of discussion about the toxicity of hassle culture. Now, what is hassle? Hustle means basically that work is one of the most, if not the most important thing in your life. And it means that you glorify that you work very, very, very hard and that you make this your lifestyle. So there's been a lot of criticism that ha- that hustle culture is toxic, that it's very harmful to your mental health and to your actual health, but also it's harmful socially, we are told, which means that it creates an environment of antagonism that I see, for example, on Instagram that Raga wakes up at 4.30. Now I want to do it. um, Otherwise, Raz is going to think that Raga is working harder than I do. And all this creates a, a very unhealthy competition. So this is the criticism to hustle culture. And if you want to put one person in your mind, what is, let's say, The personification of hustle, think about someone like Gary Vee who tells you, do a lot of things, post 70 times, uh, take uh, side hustles, do something. This is a a time full of opportunities. You have to grasp these opportunities. Get off your ass. Or someone like David Goggins, although he wouldn't like probably the term hustle. Again, do more, be better, be something more than what you are.
0: Interesting. So uh, yeah, the fact it's been called a culture, I guess they're they're basically observing that a lot of different people are like pushing themselves to capitalize on as many opportunities as they can. It could also be kind of a social thing, you know, like uh, club culture, hookup culture, like a lot of people making individual decisions with all the many options that are in front of them, trying to maximize their experiences. And then people are kind of uh, conceptualizing it as a culture, like as a phenomenon uh, taking place around us. Um, Mark, now you're obviously a hardworking actor. I would imagine, um, you know, uh, high on your priority list is not, let's say, what the calendar says is today's holiday, right? Or like, you know, whereas some people it's like, oh, no, today's Memorial Day. I I must be at home barbecuing. Whereas if you're an actor, you're on the set when, you know, you got to be there, you travel around, you everything kind of comes after, you know, getting the, getting the job done. Is that, so would you say in your own field, you're kind of part of this uh, hustle hustling life? Yeah. Well,
2: I would say it's, it seems appealing on the surface. Uh, it, there's definitely attributes to it that I ascribe to. I believe in constant self-improvement, um, but there, there seem the, the toxic element of this, or I don't, I don't mean to be a, Pushing a punchline before I should, but it it doesn't seem very human centric, uh, or or it, it doesn't seem to be molded around the individual's actual wants and needs. I mean, you know, work is definitely a very big part of our lives and something that um, we should get get a great deal of meaning in. But grabbing the brass ring for the sake of the brass ring seems like a, a sort of a second handed approach to the world. It seems like success for its own sake or first for something other than your own happiness and um so i i like driving myself because i i want to feel better and understand the world better and feel more successful about myself um but it really doesn't have too much to do with the other people in the world and how they perceive me and i get the vibe that this sort of there's a sensibility of, of that here that's unspoken maybe i'm wrong
0: Is being um, really into fitness like a a part of hustle culture, Nikos, you think? Or is it its own category? Because some people are obviously super into their appearance and fitness and all that.
1: Yeah, it is part of it. So in some of the articles that I did some research that criticized hustle culture, they talk about the rise and grind uh, kind of uh, hashtags. And they say they have millions and millions and millions of uh, followers. And they put these two things, the one opposite the other. On the one hand, the amount of people who say they're really, really dissatisfied with their life and their career, and they relate this to the pandemic. What many people realize in the pandemic is that they would rather work from home, or that their working environment doesn't offer them anything, or that they don't like their nine to five and they prefer to do side hustles or things like that. And at the same time, this article said, there is all these people who glorify how hard they get after it. Now, I will tell you what I find appealing in the critique of hustle culture and what I think is very, very worrying in the way that uh, hustle culture is being vilified. So overall, I would say if I have to pick a culture, I would pick hustle culture because I think in its essence, there's something very good in it. Because in a period, in an era of low expectations, it puts the bar high. And this is again very rare if you think our culture. Our culture is a culture of excuses, a culture which puts the bar very, very low. So the fact that this culture exists and it's also obviously commodified and it's become cool, this is something which is almost a breath of fresh air. Now, when the problem begins, the problem begins when this hassle culture is out of, is for its own sake. For example, you hate your job, you hate the place you work. You hate your co workers, but you have to quote hassle because you have to, because that's the environment. So bring in mind, for example, this cool Silicon Valley workplace where are the tennis tables and there's the open bar, something like we work uh, in, in London. So many people say this sounds very appealing, but it's completely soul destroying because you are never out of work and you're never alone. Now, this is something which makes sense in terms of something that it's bad and something that is alienating. But the problem is, in this case, that you don't like your job. The problem is not hustle culture. Let me give you another example from my own personal life. Around 2014, I read a book by Heilrod called The Miracle Morning. So this is the book that I think even before the 5 a.m. club, actually made, put it back in fashion, put it in fashion to wake up very early. So the moment I read the book, I was very excited because I like the idea that you get after it. And I started waking up early. Now, the problem was that my life back then sucked. Okay, not big time, but it wasn't super fulfilling. I was in a a teaching contract, which wasn't fulfilling. I was teaching things I wasn't enjoying. So for some days, I was waking up at five o'clock and I remember I was reading Grothbard's *Man, Economy and State because I want to say I'm going to do something for that. And then at some point I realized, well, what am I doing here? I'm waking up early. I'm tired for the next of the day. And what's the point? Like, I don't have something to do to wake up early. Now you could say it's a good, uh, it's a good habit anyway. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a why, if you don't have a purpose, why you quote hassle, then hassle itself can be actually very quickly turn to a burnout because you realize that I'm putting myself some extra stress without a particular goal.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm reminded of uh, when we did an episode uh, reviewing the newest Matrix movie. I think it was Don Watkins and I. And he pointed out, I think, that like when the first Matrix came out, the sort of uh, the culture depicted at the time in the late 90s was like, you go to work, you're in your cubicle, you hate it. You get home, you go on the internet, the budding internet to try and find some meaning and adventure. Whereas today flash forward to today, it's the internet and entertainment and the culture is just th- constantly stimulating us, throwing us more options than we can pick from. I mean, just look at uh, TV, you know, streaming, there's like a thousand, there's like a bunch of different streaming services. Now, there's no time to watch everything we want to watch. There's no time to date everyone who's going around. Like there's just so much happening. And, um, it's like on one hand, it's like if you're trying to do everything, you're actually doing nothing, right? Like uh, if you try to exhaust every option. So uh, I could sort of uh, tie this to um, what objectivism says about, like about knowledge, about skepticism versus certainty, right? Like the skeptics, and obviously, you know, take this as a student's, uh, you know, report. The skeptics, they say, basically, unless you're God, like unless you know everything at once at all times from all possible angles, unless you're God, unless you're omniscient, you don't you're not really certain of anything. It's sort of like the way it's set up so that knowledge doesn't actually mean anything because it's impossible. And um, and that's kind of how skepticism functions. And, of course, mystics come along and say, yes, since you can't really know anything, then turn to mysticism. Um, So I guess I'm kind of reminded of that. It's like uh, you're. Like, I always feel like my life is being, not always, but I sometimes feel like my life is being wasted because I'm not everywhere at once, doing everything at once, enjoying everything that life has to offer. But obviously, that's an impossible standard. So kind of similar to knowledge here, uh, just in terms of like li- what life experiences are possible. If, if, if in my mind, it's like I must exhaust every possible opportunity, you know, take every possible opportunity, then I'm not actually going to live. I'm, I'm holding the bar somewhere impossible to reach. Hope that made some sense
2: yeah uh, i mean there's something too running so fast that you're you're missing all this you're just running past everything um you know hustle is hustle is great getting after it is great having ambition is great wanting to be constantly improving who you are is great but this it this doesn't seem this doesn't seem to have the focus of real self-improvement and and it doesn't seem to be connected to human to your human life. It seems to be goals sort of out there, abstract things that people are reaching for. You know, you know what I'm understanding is the rationalism, I think, of of the uh, of the self-improvement world. All of this should be about, you know, us f- being fulfilled and happy, right? That's our end goal is to make our lives fulfilled and happy. And And you need productive work to do that. You need love to do that. You need physical health to do that. And you should pursue those things with passion. But this is this is devoid of passion. It's the. It's like a robotic. It's a. This is like a robotic uh, thrusting forward. It's. It's a machine. It's not. It's not a human being. I don't know, Nikos, oh. Do you disagree? I mean, I like well, your point. I like your point that it's better than the low bar. Everybody's now. You know. Everybody now hates the standards. Standards of beauty. Standards of health. Standards of intelligence. They're all being obliterated, and this is in a way a substitute. But is it like saying? All right, I'll go with the Republicans uh, because there's because, you know, at least they like some things uh, that the Democrats are just awful on.
1: Well, not necessarily, because the Republicans are bad, whereas hustling for something you love and you enjoy is good. Now, let's bring, though, let's let's still man the case against hustling. So what about the issue of people being overworked? And people have, and this leading to things such as stress, <clears throat> depression is thrown around the road a lot in these articles and all that stuff. So could you be doing something that you like and at the same time experiencing these bad uh, things? So again, from personal experience, particularly when I started doing only the thing I liked, which was working full-time in uh, in objectivism, my the way I felt, particularly the first month was not good. I had issues here and there but could this be that quite often this is again some bad premise that you have in the back of your head which for example tell you now you have the career you want but this is now your duty not something which is there to serve you but something that you're there to serve it or put differently yes let's say there's a conference and you you wait for it you want it if it becomes this dot in your program that stresses you and it becomes the the center of the universe. And the closer you get to it, the more you're stressed. This is literally a sacrifice because you are sacrificing what this work means to you. And now you experience it as something which is a burden, as something which is a duty. So it doesn't anymore serve your life. So at some point, particularly when you get a ringing bell, like, I don't know, you have a physical reaction or something, then you realize, okay, I need to put this in the right perspective. I want a fulfilling career because I want to have a good life. And it has to be in this, it has to be in this order. And then you can hustle even more. You can sleep six hours when you're in a good mindset. And when you're something productive and feel well, and you might sleep eight hours and be stressed and be under this duty-bound idea that oh, I have to do more, and now it's the conference, and blah blah blah. So it all comes down to how you appreciate, to how you, not appreciate it, to how you approach it. And Gina Gorling said something very interesting in Ocon. She said in her talk, and I encourage people to check it out. She said, the fact that you're an objectivist doesn't mean that you're going to approach your career in a healthy way. Because our philosophy is not automatically transferred and automatically translated to our emotions. So you can have a very healthy approach to your work. You can love your work. And then, You can still experience your work in a very unhealthy way. Now, imagine if you're lacking these premises, if you don't have a healthy approach to your work and if you hate your work, so it can very easily go down. And uh, I have sympathy for many people and many of my former colleagues in the academia who say they're depressed or overworked and all that stuff. Are they objectively, quote, overworking compared particularly to, I don't know, older generations? My answer is no. Do they experience it as overwork? The answer is, unfortunately, yes. So when people say, oh, I'm on a burnout, most of the times, it's true.
0: Something that uh, I I don't think was mentioned yet is the uh, concept of a central purpose, you know, and like Howard Rourke, you know, he's got architecture, Ayn Rand has, you know, book writing or writing. And, uh, I think a, a, to be happy, you need to have one, and I guess you could have more than one, but you need to have one at least. Um, and then kind of everything else sort of, I think lines up more or less around that. So, yeah, I mean, if you also want to have a family and you also love your career, then maybe you would select a partner based on if they, if they could go along with your career choices and stuff like that. Um, but you do need to have like a central purpose, I think, or life itself is just this endless chase of, you know, the, the dragon, right. There's a term, I think uh, a metaphor created for heroin addicts, right. Chasing the dragon. Um, but I think it's true of like just seeking thrills and just chasing after, uh, this, like just never ending, uh, running out this never ending trail. Um, so without that central purpose, without a career choice that you're absolutely passionate about and that you love, then without that, you're always going to be kind of, um, just kind of like, uh, trying to mask something. Still, I think but
2: still, but still it's like, uh... There's this other other centeredness to these stresses that that I think is st- still implied. It's 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 the undercurrent, right? Um, you know, w- why do you feel this duty and this uh, and this pressure? This pressure is coming from inside of you, and it has to do, I think, with other folks. You know, people learn an acting technique, for example, and they forget while they're learning the technique that the purpose of the technique is a, a tool to help you unlock your creative elements. But for a long time, it becomes an end in itself and they become all technique oriented and it loses, its, it loses its facility to actually do what it's intended to do because you're not putting it in perspective. And, you know, it, to, to me, pressure comes from within. If I'm feeling stressed about something, it's likely that I'm worried about the impression I'm going to make or how other people are going to feel about my workload and all all that just you know your work is for you man it's for you and it's not about how they receive your talk it's not about how they receive your play that day it's about how you worked on it the process you went through and it takes a tough skin like a whole set of premises that you have to integrate and to let that shit roll off your back so that work becomes just a, a joy and the reception of it or worry of the reception of it or the pressure of the work it's just no fucking thing
1: Actually, this, this, what you said is super, super important. The solution to this is, it's going to sound weird, become more selfish. The solution to this is to say, okay, I'm literally <laughs> sacrificing. So I'm going to give you an actual example. Hopefully, this is not going to become too Oprah Winfrey, but I think it's, it captures what you said. So before Ayn Rand con Lon- so I was looking very much forward to Ayn Rand Con London, the European conference we had in April. I had prepared a very good speech. I was so looking forward to this. Two weeks before I get, uh, 10 days before I get COVID. Not a big thing, but I need a negative test to travel. So every day I test positive. I I spend my time running up and down, up and down, waiting for that negative test. Last day I have a negative test. I travel. I'm full of stress in the airplane. I feel my heart pumping. I... uh, first day I feel my heart pumping and I say wait a minute what you're doing you have to you have to realize you're going to speak in an objective conference and you're the least selfish person here you're letting this duty I have to my speech has to be good I have to run everywhere no put one gear down relax and enjoy the conference don't do anything that you don't have to do just relax and enjoy the process and I think this was a big lesson that the solution is not to say I don't care because you do care about how your talk goes and how your conference goes, but to say this is something which is happening for me. I love that I work for AI for me, and if if I go to burnout and if I if I my hair grays before I give my talk, then what's the point of the talk? So the answer is be see it in a selfish way. And then everything's gonna. Everything takes their course.
2: Yeah. Look, you know, I, I knew an actor who became. He became very famous. Uh, he's won all kinds of awards. Uh, he's got a work ethic like nobody I've ever seen. But the work ethic is is neurotic. There's something wrong with it. It's not. It's not healthy. And he's even admitted on a show because he's since fallen from grace. He admitted on a show, he's like, I was on a path to kill myself that, you know, he wasn't connected to life and work was not connected to the betterment of his life. It had some other sick purpose to it. And people in objectivism can use workaholism as an, uh, they could use objectivism as a rationalization for just being workaholics, who are people who are trying to avoid life on 50 other different levels and use work as an excuse for that. Yeah, let man fucking improve yourself, man. Be be the best person you possibly can, but you know, driving yourself like a like a maniac, is that really is that I mean, maybe we need it because we're in such a low low ebb, you know, for our culture, but uh, I don't know, man, it should be it should be about about your capacities and and your ideals and and you know and
1: and your improvement, which is looks different than everybody else's. Some uh, discussed discuss towards the end the issue of whether Ayn Rand and her heroes, let's say, promote this hustle culture. But uh, Raga, do you want to say something?
0: I was going to ask this actor friend of yours. His name starts with J, ends with Ann Travolta. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, the point about um, these things are here to serve me as the thing to keep in mind, whether it's exercise or anything else, it's like I'm not a slave to this thing. This thing is here to serve me. Yeah. and that that's the proper uh way to think about it i think um uh, are we reading super chats is that what you super
1: well, chats and then we finish with okay. on
0: okay marilyn says it depends what you're hustling or maybe what you're hustling and why robert says be self-supporting self-responsible self-assertive do more self-improvement self-help self-development but don't be selfish i think he's uh tongue-in-cheek about how like in the culture we we get like mixed messages a lot like we celebrate people pulling themselves up and motivating and self-generating but also well but don't be selfish and and this is why we need philosophy uh jonathan honig with 1999 real class act and then marilyn with 10 dollars says thank you well thank you all right nikos oh hassle
1: culture and i'm of course the term didn't exist then So there are many examples in the fiction where you could say that the heroes are, quote, workaholic. One example is where Dagny and Hank discuss when was the last time they went on vacation. And uh, she says something like, it's been five years. He says it's been three years. And they exchange their stories. And their stories is that they went on vacation. And after like a couple of days, they freaked out and they returned. However, notice that what they do after is they go to vacation together. So it's a completely wrong, re- wrong reading to say that Ayn Rand says just work. Or think about in The fountain and how Roth, who works so hard, has culture cultural curious in a way, he takes this 3 months vacation with, uh, with Wyman. So what is the takeaway from all this? These heroes are, again, selfish. When Dagny hasn't got much going on in her personal life, She doesn't find pleasure in vacationing. She finds pleasure in her work. When she finds someone that she feels good with and she wants to do things with him, they go on vacation. The same with Rourke. He works so hard, sometimes pulls all-nighters. He meets Wynand. He enjoys his company. He goes away for three months. So, of course, Rand is a good example of what is the good in quote hustle culture but don't get the wrong messages from it. Again, the point is do what serves your life and what you're trying to achieve in your life, which is first and foremost, your happiness properly and rationally pursued. Having said that, Ram says that productivity and productive work is productive work is the central purpose in one's life. Why? Because it's something that you put your mind on, on how to live as a human being. So these things are not a contradiction. These things make sense. You put your mind on how to live, but also you want to be happy to achieve your goals and to celebrate this. Therefore, you can have Rourke pulling the all-nighters and then going for three months in Wynand's yacht. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think it's worth pointing out, Rand, when she was young, decided to be a writer and that became her central purpose. The characters she wrote had their central purposes. And then later, Rand, I guess, conceptualizes what we're seeing in reality and in these characters, which is that philosophy, having a philosophy, including a central purpose, is uh, conducive and and complementary and and aids your life. So um, so it's not that first comes philosophy, and then you know, and then we we figure out oh I need a central purpose and go find one. That that can it can go in that order, but that's not it's not how philosophy. I think a good philosophy comes about first comes reality and life, and then. And then we can put it into words, I guess we we, we conceptualize it. Uh, Mark, you mentioned like uh, that some objectivists could like turn their career into like something that they're doing by duty. Have you seen much of that? Because like, I mean, I I enjoy a good objectivist bashing. Like my stereotype of objectivists is that like a lot of them are they think being objectivist is a replacement for having a life, for having a career, for having a purpose. They think, oh, I am I'm into objectivism. That is my uh, identity.
2: Yeah, there's that too. Um, there's that, there's people who who have like low emotional thresholds or they're socially awkward and, and can't really tap their emotions. And they think objectivism gives an an excuse not to have emotions. (laughs) I mean, you know, people will use great, great ideas, uh, to rationalize just about any crappy thing in in their lives. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I mean, to improve yourself. That, that's important. Go out there and work as hard as you can at being the best person you can. Part of that's going to be your job. And and the more selfish you are about it, um, the less stressed you're going to feel um, about working hard or being good at what you do.
0: Well, that's true. Uh- you're it's
1: counterintuitive so that the solution is so simple that Yeah. Be Again, it sounds I hate party line. I never use party line language, but this is like a revelation. Yes. Just be selfish. Hustle, but be selfish.
0: And even that is a concept that is derived from reality. So what do you want is like kind of the first question. What do you enjoy? What are what are your passions in life? And when you when you are passionate about something, nobody can tear it away from you. Right. Like uh, like that you're racing against the clock. There's never enough time in the day. Uh, When you're actually passionate about something, so even even when we're telling people, you know, have a life, you know, be have a career, be selfish. Even there, like you need to kind of start with uh, people's values, I think, for it to for it to make sense. Yeah. So in conclusion, today uh, it all depends. Look at reality, and uh, the answer is nuanced. Is that basically uh, (laughs) the answer to is hustle culture, yay or nay? I would say
1: more people need to. Okay, no, I'm not. In the culture, it looks like the culture needs more of a doses of more David Goggins and more hustling rather than less. But again, how this translates to each person's context, that's a different discussion.
2: Yeah, I would say don't don't drop the ideals the way that the present culture is trying to uh, push us, hold the ideals, Don't let them let them challenge you, let them make you better, but also measure yourself realistically by your own by your own uh, context, you know, and you will find that you will become a better, happier human being.
0: Mm -hmm. And and check your premises, I guess, if you find yourself like having a dichotomy, like a conflict, like either there's this fast paced achievement, culture of achievement, lifestyle of achievement, or there's depth and love and uh, appreciation are those two things at odds, necessarily? I would, uh, I would question that. Uh, because I don't,
2: think, does, it, yeah. I don't think so. I think Stephen Covey said it very well. You know, you have to take time to sharpen the saw. Human beings are more than, they're, they're multidimensional beings. They need satisfaction on lots of levels. And work is a huge level, of course, because you spend a lot of time doing it to your purpose. But there's lots of other points of interest and meaning in our lives that need to be
0: fulfilled. Were Uh, you guys purpose purpose and uh, love are the, are the top for sure. Were you guys, uh, very, um, like busy in your young days, like in your early twenties or even late teens? Like, no, Nico says, how about you, Mark? I, I imagine to, to, to get into the acting world, you had to hustle.
2: Yeah. Most actors don't. Uh, I was, I would rehearse four or five times a day, but I was in that hustle mode of I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And that, that my mentor gave me that, uh, that sense of being behind you know, the clock and needing to catch up all the time. It served me in a way um, because most actors are really, uh, sorry actors, but most actors are, are very lazy and uh, they don't like rehearsing. But it, it, it still didn't have the, the joy that simply doing it for its own sake and for my own self-improvement uh, gives me that feeling now. I don't, I don't perform for anybody else
0: any, or anymore. Um, I, I want to do it for me. Hmm. And Nikos, you were shaking your head. No, like you, you were, uh, you were not that active. Yeah,
1: I was, I didn't have direction. I didn't have any discipline in a weird way. It was the army that changed that. So I think the change happened in the time of my life when I realized what a waste it is living your life without a direction and without uh, discipline and without going getting after something rather than just uh, I'm going to study I'm going to have a job Uh, so that was the that was the course of my life and I would be super 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 unhappy if I had to continue to that that's why I'm a bit more sensitive in the kind of take it easy stuff because this is what I was doing and it didn't serve me well
0: I was uh, the guy first off in my like early 20s, late teens. First off, I was working jobs that no one else wanted to do. So a lot of my friends at the time, as soon as they could, they would basically go on welfare. They would get a, a bridge card and just start just milking the government. Um, and uh, I was working for minimum wage, whatever job I could get. And just so I, I was I was doing that. And also any free time I had, I was go- going home and working on my computer on, on passion projects. So um, so yeah, that's 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 something I mean, that that's hard. That money can't buy. You gotta like sort of find that within yourself. Yeah, Mark. I I
2: wouldn't be able to relate to going on to welfare. I mean, from from 12 years old, I was mowing people's lawns for money. I was doing a paper route. I got a job at a fast food restaurant. Worked through high school to pay for my books because my mom, I felt, was was, uh, you know, stretching her finances thin to send me to a private school. Cause at the time in public school, public school, children were being used as a social experiment. They were being shipped to various places in the inner city and it was causing a lot of strife and it was a really unfortunate situation. So she got me out of that situation. I felt like I, I wanted to help her. So I took jobs to do that too. I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine, uh, um, feeling okay with getting a check for doing nothing that would that would be so vile to me yeah. unless it's a residual check because then i did something and it's just the it's coming back to haunt me a good yeah menial I,
1: job things is is interesting because i started doing menial jobs after the army when i went for my phd it's what really puts you once you get into this momentum that i might do a crappy job but there's money coming in and this builds up to something it's the best training so welfare again i guess there are some people who don't have other choice but it's soul destroying or put differently even doing the worst job but knowing that you earned that money is invigorating and it's very good for your self-esteem
0: absolutely right and like knowing that you earned this Food makes it taste better, and knowing that you earned yes, this sir. house makes it makes it more enjoyable. So, well, Nikos, uh, whatever your past faults were, you're you're like the hardest working guy I've ever seen in terms of reading books. This guy reads four books a day or something. And, a day, uh, I think so. No, you're a
2: fast, fast reader, man. No, read no, actually, really that's fast. a
1: joke from raka But actually, it's the opposite. I'm a very slow reader because I keep a very slow stuff, reader so. too.
2: These these are the two I'm working through now. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. All I right. like Mortimer Adler.
1: It would be a good idea I'm just throwing this out there maybe once every month or two months to present on a Thursday collective the books that we've read in the pre- like self development or fiction that we've read in the previous month and what we took away
2: from it. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. I like that. Little book club action.
1: Yeah, but you know informal.
0: Yeah. Right, right anyway,
1: gentlemen, I'll have to jump off soon.
0: All right, All couple right, super too. chats. All right, let's wrap it up. Enric says, keep yourself with your limits in the context of your goals. And then Regina sends five euros and says, good job. All right, well, uh, that's all for today. Thank you all for joining us. We've got coming up at 10 p.m. UK time and life on earth with Robert and Amy Naser. All right, everybody. And uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Same time for the Daily Objective. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Nikos. Now let's get out there and hustle. And <laughs> goodbye. Seen.